0: This is
1: LEGO Football. There's still one place left for Serie B promotion. We're also going to pay tribute to Giorgio Chiellini and deep dive into Italy's latest performances. And there's a featured podcast with former Serie A player Vince Grella. The sounds of the happy travelling Palermo Tribuna the Tifosi that made the trip up. They're happy with the first leg result of the of C playoff final up in the north against Massimo Odos Padova. Palermo lead at this point. And this is audio of the Palermo players jubilant and pumped after the win led by Silvio Baldini. they take a precious one 0 lead ahead of the second leg, which we played in Sicily on the 12th of June. The former Parma and Catania coach in his second Palermo stint, returning there after 18 years. Hard to believe he's 63 now and he doesn't look at, if you've seen the footage of Baldini lately, Roberto Floriano, he turned in a lucky deflection to beat Antonio Donnarumma in the 10th minute, the 35-year-old left winger. The big talking point is the clearance off the line and what an effort it was, Ivan Marconi for Palermo, getting uh, his foot well behind the ball, just as it was about to cross the line. In fact, it looks like it's 90% already crossed the line and somehow, miraculously, the Palermo defender was able to keep it out. Masolo came out and flapped at the ball, but missed. The ball was bouncing over the line after Kiriko steered a header towards the empty net. Big, big moment in this one. Padova then had a goal chalked off for offside. Well done to the guys at Palermo Supporters UK and Sicilian Football as well. Make sure you give them a follow on Twitter if you'd like to see Palermo back in the top two divisions, especially the hashtag Forza Palermo. Remembering now they're called Palermo FC. We all remember the great Serie A side that was relegated in 2017. Since then, they had a couple of seasons in Serie B. They were sent down to Serie D where they restarted. They finished first in 2019-20. They then qualified for the playoffs, that's why they're playing Padova. The good old days with Josip Ilicic, Fabrizio Miccoli, Javier Pastore, Edinson Cavani, Paolo Dybala, Alberto Giladino, and Luca Toni as well. Let's hope to see the Rosaneri back in Serie A. And let's hope to see the Stadio Renzo Barbera packed to the rafters for the second leg against Padova. The Sicilians are 90 minutes away from returning to Serie B. As for Padova, they have it all to do. A long history for Padova in Italian calcio. Plenty of good players there. Plenty of ammunition for Massimo Oddo with Kiriko and Santini. They can still turn this around. 90 minutes to go in this two-legged tie. The last time they were in Serie A was 1996. They were relegated from Serie B in 2019. Good luck to both of them for the second leg. Of course, some of the former greats of Padova Matteo Darmian, Dimitrio Albertini, Max Allegri, Roberto De Zerbi as well. And they finished behind Sutirol in their division of Serie C Lega Pro. And also keep your ears ready for that interview, the full interview coming with Sutirol coach Ivan Javorcic, who led the team from Bolzano up to the second division for the first time in history. They are there in Serie B for the 2022-23 season alongside Modena and Bari. And the winner of Padova and Palermo to join those three clubs. Really, really big things happening in the second and third divisions. And if you just happen to be in Sicily, in Palermo, this coming Sunday, the 12th of June, try and get hold of a ticket. History in the making. And if you've missed the goal-saving clearance by Marconi, make sure you jump on Twitter. I know that it's definitely there on the Pledamore Supporters UK page. You're with David Farini, part of the Serie A and Serie B live match commentator team. This is Lega Football. <laughs> And in general cultural news, Walter Sabatini has stepped down as Selenitana Sporting Director after masterminding their salvation alongside Davide Nicola. Fabio Pecchia resigned after getting Cremonese promoted. Pecchia has taken the Palma role. Paolo Zanetti has moved to Empoli, the former Empoli player, 50 games for the Azzurri. Fabrizio Castori is rumoured to be joining Perugia after Alvini had his contract terminated. Cagliari are also looking, and some of the names linked there, Fabio Liverani, Daniele De Rossi and Pippo Inzaghi. The big news internationally in the under-21s for Italy, the Azzurini. They defeated Luxembourg 3-0 Emanuele Vignato, Pellegri and Gianluca Gaetano with a goal apiece. Before we get on to Wilfred Nyongto and Gianluca Scamacca's performances for the senior Italy side, let's talk Giorgio Chiellini. Joining me to discuss Giorgio Chiellini and Italy is Emmett Gates of Forbes Sports and the Gentleman Ultra. Emmett, welcome. Hi, David.
2: Good to be back. Talking about the legend that is
1: Giorgio. Plenty of accolades for the Juventus captain. Nine Serie A titles, even a Serie B title in there. Five copy Italias and five super copy Italianas. And that was all during his 17-year spell in Torino. Emmett, take us through Giorgio's best Juventus years.
2: It's a difficult one because he had such longevity at Juve. His first season was the final year of Fabio Capello's Juve and then they get relegated. Then he kind of comes into his own when Juve is in Serie B and the likes of Claudio Marchisio, Giorgio Chiellini all kind of break through and become first team members but I think the real turning point for Chiellini was actually in the summer of 2008 when he accidentally injures Fabio Cannavaro in the build up to Euro 2008 with Italy and then subsequently he takes his place and is one of the
1: best defenders in the tournament one of the best plans I've ever seen in football was uh, Chiellini taking out his captain Cannavaro and then eventually become a Euro champion.
2: Knowing Chiellini how it turned out you'd almost think it was maybe premeditated and that he, <laughs> he purposely hurt Cannavaro. But one of the remember, one of the earliest games that sticks out for me with Chiellini is the quarterfinal against Spain. And Spain at that point had Fernando Torres and David Veya up front. And this was Fernando Torres at his peak. Not the abomination that we saw at Chelsea later on in his career, but this was Liverpool, Fernando Torres. Chiellini marked both him and David Veya out of the game.
1: What a performance to come through at such a young age. Uh, Not too much international experience. Have to fill the boots of Cannavaro.
2: He had a long stint as one of the world's best defenders, and in my opinion, he probably, arguably, was the world's best defender for definitely a couple of years. When you think of Buffon, Chiellini, Bonucci, Borzagli, those that quartet, you know, that was around for maybe a three or four year period. stretch.
1: Yeah, I- iconic Juventus, and, and if you add Steiner in there as well. Also, when you look at the amount of games that he's played for his country, and you, I'm going to mention Gigi Buffon again, 176, and Cannavaro has 136, Paolo Maldini. 126, and now it's Giorgio Chiellini with 117. That is phenomenal. He has the fourth highest amount of Azzurri games of any player in history. And he has lifted a European trophy the first time that any Italian was able to lead that nation to glory for 54 years. Massive things.
2: It's just a shame that he has only six World Cup games to his name, because obviously Italy exit early in 2010, the same in 2014, don't qualify 2018, won't be there in 2022. So one of the greatest defenders of his generation only played in six World Cup games.
1: Exactly. Criminal. it it is criminal the only World Cup game that he managed to win was against England England, the same team that he managed to beat at Wembley what a performance from Chiellini there in response to the Luis Suarez incident he was he just shrugged it off and moved on that best sums Giorgio Chiellini up
2: I remember his battles with Zlatan and Edinson Cavani and I remember one time I think it was it was Juve Napoli this must have been Chiellini pulled Cavani's hair and Cavani just gives him an elbow smash in the nose but then like what once, once the, the full time whistle went, they are off hugging. You know, just it was all in the game. Once the game finished, yeah, what stays on the pitch? It was friends with everyone. Yeah, it stayed on the pitch. He kicked lumps at his latan so many times, and his on never really got the better of him. Zlatan and Chiellini just kick lumps out of each other. But it was usually Gilini that kicked more lumps out of Zlatan. Than they were.
1: <laughs> when you are the best striker in the league, it takes the best defender in the league to match them. And we've even seen Max Allegri state that he wants videos of Chiellini sent to the Italian national team training headquarters so that future defenders will understand and learn from those videos on how to defend like Giorgio Chiellini. There wouldn't be too many defenders that we could put in that category. Maybe Jocanavaros, Nestas, uh, Costa Cortes, Maldini's, and Baresi. He will go down as one of the legends. And from here, it looks like he's going to Los Angeles. Apparently, Chiellini was quite a big basketball fanatic when he was a young boy, and he decided that he wanted to play basketball. He ended up playing football, though, He'll be sitting courtside if he is in Los Angeles. The NBA broadcasters will have to know when to pan across to Italy's favourite balding head. <laughs> so uh, he is one of the best defenders. He was up against one of the best attackers of all time in Lionel Messi and Argentina. We were there to see the game. Let's take you through it.
0: This is Lego like Football.
1: Here we are for the final match with Giorgio Chiellini for the Azzurri. Marco Tadelli holds aloft. loft road trophy for Italy most of this crowd they just want to see Giorgio Chiellini up against Lionel Messi what a clash that's going to be so much blue in this stadium Wembley the 1st of June 2022 Italy Argentina Twenty-five, maybe back post, maybe Benucci, Chiellini back in there. Maybe get a get a, a get a get a goal in the last uh, last game for Italy. Yeah, would yeah, like exactly. Would that, like would, that would be lovely.
2: What do you think, Gite? Chiellini back post. I hope so, or Benucci comes steaming in. Chiellini. Oh. Yeah. oh
1: Chiellini.
2: All over. All over. It's going
3: nowhere. Hey. Hey. Ah.
1: Hey. Very soft,
2: there. Very soft. Against He's Chiellini, sharp. you think the referee would maybe give him a bit of leeway in
1: his last game, but no. The referee hasn't read the script. Well, in the end, Italian supporters are here to see Giorgio Chiellini in his last game. champions here a year ago. They are the European champions and they will be for a couple of years more. Italy. Here comes Giorgio Chiellini. He was here a year ago. He was victorious then and I'm sure that occasion mattered a lot more than this one. The Capitano. He led Italy Italia. to glory. Italia. Italia. It's going to be sad to see Chiellini leave the national team set up. In Italian we say Libero dal desiderio. You know what it means? Libero, free. Free from desire. Na, 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 na. Free from desire. Na, 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 na. And that's all from us here at Wembley, Emmett and Dan. Thanks for joining the telecast. A pleasure. The pleasure is ours. And uh, hopefully next time we'll meet up with an Italian victory. Yeah. Na, 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 na. Those are the sounds of the Northern Irish Pipes of Emmett Gate. And if you'd like to hear him sing Freed from Desire and even some Avizi, make sure you click play on the Lega football feature, Giorgio Chiellini and the Finalissima. That is available on all the platforms as well. We've just uploaded that one. Also, a quick shout out going out to Dan, another Irishman who was with us, as you would have heard in that clip. Emmett, great day of football. Great occasion to be at. Overall, Italy playing some reasonable football in the first half. Argentina simply too good.
2: The game was good. It was a good game. It was kind of more or less a glorified friendly, but the atmosphere was really great. I was actually really surprised that two thirds of the stadium, I would say, was filled with Argentines. And when the first Argentina goal went in, the whole stadium just erupted, which made me realise just how many Argentines were in
1: Wembley. Leo Messi's Argentina, his biological clock's ticking. He put on just an unbelievable performance. It was the messy show in the end. The first hour of this fixture was all about Giorgio Chiellini, mainly. They had tributes before the game to Paolo Rossi, Diego Maradona. They had Tardelli and Zanetti there to represent Italy and Argentina. The stadium was filled with blue. Uh, what an atmosphere it was. Uh, Di Lorenzo, in my opinion, was quality in the first half. Uh, Barella looked okay. Raspadori showed promise. Took about 15 minutes for Italy to get involved in this game. Raspadori had a shot. Bellotti he sort of had a half chance with a header. Uh, Berna Messi, as uh, <laughs> you and Dan termed Bernardeschi was uh, on the burst in that first half. He tried to break the offside trap and pick out Bellotti in the six-yard box. Emerson was busy as well, winning free kicks. And in the end, uh, you know, Argentina Got that opening goal! What a roar around the stadium! Just yeah, incredible, especially
2: atmosphere. when the when the three Argentina goals were in. You did the roar was unbelievable. I don't know how you felt, David, but I think the the Messi kid, he's got a future. You know, I think he go on to big and better things after this. Um, this is just, this is just the first of, of many great performances from him. I,
1: I think he's worthy of a World Cup, and you know,
2: yeah, give it a few you know, months, he, he, he might get there. Yeah, he might win the odd Ballon d'Or, like, but you never know, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, Argentina were by far and away the better team. Italy were, as you said, Di Lorenzo sparkled in patches. Uh, Raspidori looked decent. Donnarumma made a couple of good saves.
1: And that Killini hustle on Messi when Italy yeah. trying just to, <laughs> to assert some, some kind of presence in their attacking third and Messi had the ball in the defensive area and Killini was right up the backside of him. You actually commentate that piece of play and it's there to be heard <laughs> on the Lego football feature. Argentina... They have that irresistible mix of European professionalism at the elite level with that South American flair. Killini went off at half time. Unfortunately, I know that you and Dan wanted him to come back on and score the hat-trick that would get Italy (laughs) back into the lead. Um, Argentina was desperate to keep the clean sheet, though. Italy just couldn't get the ball into space. You know, Messi, De Paul, Di Maria all getting back in defence to thwart any real movement out wide for the Azzurri. Giorgio Chiellini's last game for Italy, he will be remembered for the game 11 months previous to that. Don't worry about the finalissima, Italy fans. The real win at Wembley was against England last year, the Euro final. He held that trophy and and we'll all have those images stuck in our minds of him with his fork and the spaghetti with Bonucci.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think Chiellini's international career will be defined by Euro 2020 and maybe that pullback on Saka at the halfway line and there was petitions going around after for the game to be replayed based purely on that on that moment which is ludicrous it was kind of in a way Chiellini and Berucci just rolling back the years for seven games and getting Italy over the line because I don't think Italy would Italy would not have won that tournament if they had not been there and more specifically had Chiellini been there Berucci was the ball playing defender whereas Killini was
1: just the old-school Italian defender. Well, funny you mention that, because if the Euros was actually going to be played in 2020, Killini would not have been available.
2: Because he had torn his cruciate ligament, I think it was against Parma. Yeah. And he missed basically the whole season, so that's kind of like, you know, if coronavirus hadn't happened, Italy wouldn't have won the
1: Euros. There would have been no Spinazzola as well. It, it, things would have looked very, very different in 2020. More than likely, Italy... It was too early in Mancini's tenure to really bring this team into form. They didn't have that unbeaten streak. When they went into 2021, they were in the 30s of their undefeated streak. There would have been no Verratti as well in midfield in 2020. Yes. No Locatelli, no Pessina, who both played themselves into form, well, in a lead up to 2021 there would have been no Barati and, and no Raspadori either. Raspadori was unknown. Barati had niggling injuries, uh, and we would have ended up taking probably Izzo, Romagnoli, uh, Gianluca Mancini, and Christian Biragi instead of the likes of Chiellini, Di Lorenzo, Spinazzola, and Bastoni. So, very different side, isn't it? Very yeah. different side.
2: You know, just a bizarre set of circumstances come together to help Italy. You know, it delayed the tournament by a year. Probably one of the only benefits, if you can say that, of COVID is that it gave Mancini more time to get key players back into fitness and then better players, arguably, than the ones that he would have taken a year prior. If one of the few things that maybe the beneficial that did come out of the pandemic is that Italy finally won
1: the Euros. Yeah, the, the one thing and the one thing that all the other nations are upset with is that Italy had the extra time to, <laughs> to gel and then put a squad out there that could be competitive But what an atmosphere around Wembley last week for Giorgio Chiellini's last game. Brilliant tribute, the way that Gravina gave him his reception before the game. They really did make a big deal out of Chiellini before the game and after the game as well. The sportsmanship from both sides, even the likes of Leo Messi and all that, they all applauded Chiellini. And Scaloni is taking that side to a World Cup. Italy with not too much to play for. And we all know that it was more a final game for some of those euro winners including Chiellini even the likes of Ciro Immobile and Leonardo Bonucci we don't know if we're going to see them again we expect Bonucci to still be around because of the deficiencies at the back and that is the final page of the last chapter of Mancini's Italy 1.0 we're now moving on to 2.0 that was the first game anyway for Nations League for Mancini's new Italy There was no representation of the old guard. They're getting on with phase two. He wants to bring in new ideas. He made 10 changes to that Italy side that took on Germany, and Germany was solid. But I might just make mention that Leonardo Spinazzola returned against Argentina, something like 335 days. That's how long Spinazzola's been absent. That's a massive positive for the Insulti moving forward with the Roma winger coming back.
2: Italy have not been the same since Spinazzola suffered that injury against Belgium in Euro 2020. I agree. If you looked at how good Italy were before his injury and then he got injured in the beginning against Belgium, they scraped over the line against Spain and for all intents and purposes scraped over the line against England to win it. And since then, Italy have never been the same. They haven't looked as threatening and they never they haven't scored as many goals. And it's all linked back to Spin and getting injured. But you think with injuries of this type, and considering that speed is his predominantly main feature, will he be the same player? But yeah, it's good to have him back. And, you know, obviously he'll build on it over the summer and hopefully he'll come back 100% at the beginning of next season.
1: Yeah, He didn't take part in... The Italy versus Germany Nations League game. The 10 changes were all the outfield players. Gigi Donnarumma started in goal again. Paolo Nicolato, the Italy under-21 coach, he hailed Mancini for being brave enough to play the younger players against Germany. Davide Fratesi, Samuele Ricci, Gianluca Scamacca, Matteo Cancellieri, Federico Di Marco, Tommaso Pobega and Wilfried Nyonto all featured against this Germany lineup. Mancini obviously sees the UEFA Nations League as his version of Nona's big cooking pot, a big pot where he can test out a new recipe moving forward, just like he did after the Ventura era. I mean, there were a lot of players there that we've all seen before, such as Cristante and Biragi and Acerbi, but we saw those other players come in. Bastoni came into the back line, Scamacca started up front. Fratesi also got his first start. Then we saw Cancellieri and Pobega and Gnonto come off. Nyonto set up the goal that uh, Lorenzo Pellegrini tucked away to get Italy into the lead. What do you make of that one, Emmett?
2: Mancini had no other choice, really, than to go... And try and rejuvenate the squad and bring in new blood because it was badly needed. Man, it was good to see Scamacca. You know, obviously he looked threatening. You know, he hit the post with a good shot. Um, and I think now Mancini has to put his faith in Scamacca because Immobile is done for me at the top level. Uh, well, international international football. Bilotti never impressed in the first place. So I think he has to go all in in Skimaka.
1: No Balotelli?
2: Nah, I think that ship is long sailed. The kid, Wilfred Nanto, looked promising, you know, from what he...
1: Did when he came on? 18 years old as well. Yeah, former um, Inter youth player. that let him go. He went over to Switzerland, and now he looks pretty good. But, but mind you, he would have left when he was 16 years old.
2: Yeah, it's good that he. he, he it's good that he's went to Switzerland and he's getting games. And now you know he's being linked with moves back to Italy for. 20, 30, 40 million just based sure. off this one game. So it was a promising display from the Azzurri under Mancini, and I think this is the way to go now. You don't go so experimental in future games, but definitely you need to bring in new blood. And Scamacca, I think now, should be given a proper run of games as Italy's leading striker, and just because he can't do any worse than Immobile and Bellotti.
1: So yeah, Immobile and Bellotti are good for their zonal press and their intensity, they're tenacious, but opportunities not falling their way and when they do they don't get put away as often as we need them to be put in italy heavily relied upon the likes of lorenzo insigne and federico chiesa along with you know giolocattellis and barella's in that euro We'll end it on that note. Giorgio Chiellini was our main focus of our Italy Roundup. Emmett, thanks for joining me. And Forza Chiellini, let's hope that he has a a nice twilight to the the end of his career. He's definitely at the end of the winter, but looks like he'll be getting the summer months during that winter over in Los Angeles.
2: All the best, Giorgio. I hope he enjoys his Indian-American
1: summer, shall we say, over in the MLS. He's going to go down in history as one of those Italians that led his country to glory. Emma Gates, thanks for joining Lego Football.
2: A pleasure as always, David.
1: Emma Gates of Forbes Sports and also the Gentleman Ultra. While we're on the subject of TGU, which is the, obviously the acronym for the Gentleman Ultra, I want to play you a clip from One of their podcasts, the host is an Australian guy called Frank Risorto, and he is leading the TGU down under charge. Frank talks to Vince Grella, the former Empoli, Parma and Torino player. They start off with some of his earlier life in Melbourne, playing with Carlton, playing in what was known as the NSL, the National Soccer League his journey from Australia to Empoli and his first opportunities and how they came about. This is Frank and Vince.
0: I'm your host, Frank Risotto, and I'm thrilled to be joined by uh, Australian international and a 10 year veteran of Italian football, I guess, um, now retired and living in Italy. Um, Vincenzo Grella. thank you very much for joining us.
3: Well, thanks for having me on, Frank.
0: Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. It's, a, it's an honour to, um, as I mentioned, I'm a huge fan, so I'm trying my best not to be fans starstruck here. So I'll carry on and, and away we go. Yeah, so I'll, I'll get stuck straight into it. Um, you grew up in southeast Melbourne. Um, what was it like growing sure. up in an, an Italian household? I'm guessing it wasn't. Um, or AFL, or was it, or was it um, football, 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 with the, the parents in it?
3: You, you, you know what, Frank? I, I grew up in a in a very multi-sport uh, environment and family. Uh, we watched a bit of AFL, we watched cricket, uh, we watched football, we watched tennis. Um, I have two older brothers and a younger sister, and with my older brothers, we played all sports. Uh, We played on the street, in the driveway, in the backyard, in the park, uh, wherever, as long as we were on the move. So I think my mum's biggest challenge was keeping us uh, inside of the house at some times. Um, But yeah, it it was was, uh, predominant football uh, uh, household. But we, we 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 done all of the sports. We enjoyed watching the cricket, we enjoyed watching the AFL, the tennis, you know, we, we didn't have any sort of limits on anything. So Yeah,
2: yeah,
3: um, the, it was the, a good place to grow up.
0: Did you get the call in at dark to the lights are in, come on?
3: Yeah, or? no, it was not it was normally a scream in more than a call in, <laughs> you know. I think my mum trying to control three young boys was 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 a uh, was a was a challenge but um, the the great lady always uh, seemed to know which buttons to push uh, um, I'm lucky I consider myself to be lucky I had two older brothers who taught me a lot of hard sort of rules and 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 how to stay involved and and, and how to compete you know um, obviously without going over the limit but you know I um, I'm, I'm grateful to them, even though I don't tell them.
0: <laughs> uh, I'll make sure you tell them, make a note of that.
3: <laughs> you've, always yeah. got to,
0: you've always got to tell them, yeah. So, yeah. so fast forwarding many, many years later, you left Carlton mm-hmm. uh, in the mm-hmm. now defunct NSL, I guess, um, and made mm-hmm. the move across to Empoli. Um, yeah. were, were you aware of, fully aware of what was going on? Like, Were you prepared for that move on and off the field?
3: To be honest, I, I was not even apart from I, I knew roughly where it was on the map. You know, that was a period where there was not a lot of internet, Google searches. What's the training ground look like? Who's the coach? Who the players? It, it, the history of the club. Mate, I just wanted to give it a crack. I, I only come on a on a trial period of ten days. I knew I had ten days to. Su- that I needed to show them something that I could compete with 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 them, and that I had maybe some some upside for the future. And basically, that's all my my focus was on uh, Frank. It didn't didn't talk too much. My Italian was very very basic. Um, I could understand, which which helps. My communication was maybe not great at the start, but you know football you don't really need to talk so much. You just need to play the game, you know. So for me, it was an unbelievable opportunity. I come with the right spirit as well. I knew that I was making a massive jump from from the National League to Serie A. Um, but I said, why not? If they're interested to have a look at me, well, I'll put my, my my qualities out there on the field and see if something can come from it. And
0: also, yeah. like there was there was a period there where Wollongong was quite competitive, in particular with Carlton, with Melbourne Knights, and they had a few sort of semi-finals in a row. Um, yeah. But yeah, like like you said, there's there's nothing to lose. Yeah. Yeah. And then you of course got thrown yeah. in straight in the deep end. So tell us about your day. Being, well,
3: after 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 the yeah okay so but after the trial, they decided to keep me on a, on a let's say one year trial period. Um, So it was, let's say, uh, technically speaking, a loan with an option to make the loan a permanent, uh, uh, let's say, transfer and then contract. So then the 10 days become one season, not one year. It's it's less than one year. It's one season. I got there in the October. So uh, what are you talking? You're talking about probably the best part of seven months, you know, seven, eight months to prove yourself for a permanent uh, a deal. I was, uh, in the first period, basically traveling with the first team, but normally when the, when the coach selected the matchday squad, I was in the stands. I was not part of the matchday squad. Let's say I was a standby type of player if anybody was sick or whatever, stuff like this. And and that's actually what happened in in, in Turin against Juventus. One player was sick overnight, so I was included in the matchday squad with no real intention to be used. And then, you know, a little bit of fate, maybe it was just meant to be. Uh, one of the midfielders had an unfortunate cut to his eye. and was bleeding. There, there was maybe not, not so clear rules on, the, on, on, on the, the blood rule. So they had to, they had to take him off. And I think the coach has had a bit of a look around, seen the, the, the players on the bench and, and, and was scratching his head, not, not really sure who to bring on. And um, mate, he just pointed to me, Frank. And by the way, it was a very cold winter's day. Turin's a cold place. I ended up going there a lot of years after to live. It's cold in the winter. And you imagine you're sitting there, no warm-up, no nothing. He just points there and says, are you going on? So I got my stuff off, went to the sideline. He, he didn't really give me great instructions. He just said, go on there and uh, do your thing. And I was like, all right, we'll, we'll give it a crack. And um, basically, yeah, that's what happened. You know, I was in an area of the pitch where, let's say Zidane was moving. Uh, it's, it's not like I went on just to mark him. He, he was more in my area, more in my zone. So obviously the contact with him was more was more regular and I was lucky to catch him on a bad day. Uh, Very lucky because if he was on a good day, I I don't think he can mark a player like that, doesn't matter how good you are. Um, And I got him on a really bad day, it was the year, not even a year, it was months after they won the World Cup in France, so they were probably still a bit in celebration mode and, you know, trying to find their feet. So I was lucky to catch him on a bad day. We ended up getting a draw, which for Empoli in in those days was an unbelievable achievement. I made my debut. And in that time there already, the club was starting to get their head around the fact that, you know, they thought I could be a player interesting for them for the future, you know. So that was, let's say, the start of the club thinking, oh, you know, he's only... You know, just turned 19, come from Australia, plays in Serie A and was able to compete more than anything physically. I think that was the key at the start, uh, ability to compete physically. So, what a story there from Vince Grela,
1: talking about his time from Australia to Empoli into Serie A as well, up against Zidane in his first game. Incredible stuff from Frank Risorto and the Gentleman Ultra. We will link that one in so you can listen to the full episode. Well, we're coming towards the end of the Lega Football Podcast for this week. I'd just like to remind listeners that if they'd like to know more about Wilfred Niongto, go over to the Italian Football Podcast. They've just released their chat about the Ivorian descent Italian-born 18-year-old that plays for Zurich. Also, been listening to far from Vesuvius podcast, really good to hear the Inter, Napoli, Milan and Juventus supporters all having a chat about who they'd like to exchange and bring into their sides for next season and the weaknesses and the strengths. Some really good ideas there as well. And of course, to all the other podcasters out there, make sure you're all supporting each other, listening to each other's pods. Every stream counts, as you all know. Your Twitter alive and well with all the football transfer rumours. Plenty to see in regards to the UEFA Nations League and Hungary, and then that match in Wolverhampton against England coming up. We'll be back to tell you all about it next week. So, we'll be talking UEFA Nations League, that Serie A playoff final, and even a rap from Giancarlo Rinaldi of Football Italia. We'll be talking Fiorentina. And if you've got any great ideas, That you'd like to talk about on the show, do get in contact. Find at Lego Football on Twitter and send us a DM. We'll be more than happy to hear from you. That's all from me, your Lego football host, David Farini. I'd like to thank Emma Gates for joining me.
0: This is Lego Football.